Welcome to another episode of Hustle Talks. Today we're about to get super political with this. We've got Mete Coburn on the show who is the founder of My Life, My Say and is also the councillor for Stoke Newington. So we're not going to discuss much further from my side but we're going to get Asim to go into his story and discuss it further. Right Mete, yeah, just give us a breakdown of your story, all the interesting and important facts about um, your journey through your 20s and uh, how it's made you the person that you are today. Yeah, so I think, you know, like my journey starts from where I'm from in Hackney. Um, Hackney is one of the most deprived boroughs in the UK. I was one of 62% of 11-year-old pupils who couldn't go to school wow. in my borough. Um, so at a young age, naturally, I was politicised because my local youth club got shut. Uh, people like me who were brought up in council estates didn't really have a voice and we were always sort of neglected from society. So um, at a young age, I found myself debating with my teachers all the time. Um, and it was only till like a couple of people said to me, maybe you should join a, a political party. And then I joined uh, the Labour Party when wow. I was like 14. Wow. So don't ask me what I was doing when I was 14. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure I had better things to do. But um, yeah, I joined the Labour Party when I was 14 and I got involved in, uh, in the national election in 2010 as a volunteer. And then that sort of like got me a bit more interested in it. And then I just thought, again, I'm complaining all the time, not happy. So I thought, you know what, why don't I just sort of like stand myself for elections? Mm. So in 2013, I stood to be a candidate for the Labour Party. Mm. And then since then, I've been a councillor. Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. So how, how do you think um, like young people should get in? Why do you think young people should get involved into politics anyway? Well, young people should get in politics because at, at the end of the day, look, we live in a, you know, a representative democracy. So mm. I guess what I mean by that is, look, like, of course, our generation cares about whether we've got a decent roof over our shoulders, mm. whether we've got a, a job that pays us basic respect and dignity. The problem is, is whether traditional forms of politics, mm. is a, we see it as a vehicle to address the issues that we care about. And partly the reason why we don't is because we're not educated about yeah. how politics works. Mm. Um, politics isn't representative. So people who look and sound like me and you, mm are less likely to be in politics. So automatically there's a barrier there. Mm. And then thirdly is obviously because politicians don't really help themselves in terms of making promises and not yeah. delivering. So people kind of lose hope um, in, in politicians. So ultimately, look, we can sit here and complain all we want, but there has to be people out there who's going to want to step up and actually make a change. And, you know, like you look at people like Nelson Mandela, for example, yeah. and the struggles he went through is nothing compared to what we're going through. Mm. So if he had no reason to complain, and we've got no reason to come in at all. Amazing. I mean, so what is My Life My Say doing right now as sort of its core function? What What is sort of the goal that you have in mind for it? So, you know, ultimately what we want with My Life My Say is to, is to create an environment where all young people are engaged in politics. Yeah. Um, not necessarily to be a politician, but, you know, to be making sure that they're holding politicians to account, making sure that they're actually shaping what their community looks like, Maybe making sure that you know they're voting, all of these sorts of things. Um, and so some of the things that we do are we, we organize something called Democracy Cafe, okay. um, and it's a partnership that we have with Starbucks. Um, oh, wow. And the idea is basically talking about politics over coffee, coffee in a sort of a less formal way without necessarily feeling the need to wear a suit. Um, but also, you know, just trying to make politics sound a bit more real and going to people where people are rather than trying to bring people to us. So we've done 84 of these cafes in the last two years and yeah. more than 80% out of London. Mm-hmm. Um, so places like Blackburn, Portsmouth, Burnley, um, in the devolved nations, not just your major cities, but places like, you know, I don't even know, like, for example, like Ballymena, Bangor existed yeah. in Northern Ireland, like places like that we've yeah. been to, um, you know, Aberystwyth in Wales. So we're really trying to go to new areas all the time. Um, so what we're ch- really trying to do is, is make sure that we're giving young people, particularly from underrepresented communities, sort of the tools to be able to lead change within their communities. You've been you've been leading a lot of 
campaigns regarding the current political climate. Mm. And there is probably no one better to sort of dive down into the surrounding issue, the elephant in the room. We have 600 odd very, very capable politicians that we call capable. A lot of them have law degrees or similar backgrounds and to understand the constitution. Why have we not been able to deliver a Brexit right now? I mean, it's a policy. The country voted for it, but we're still not anywhere. Why? Well, I think there's a couple of things. Firstly, we don't have leadership. Okay. So when you look at, for example, Theresa May, when she became the prime minister, uh, she drew a lot of unnecessary red lines. So when people vote, the thing that most people forget is, is when we voted to leave, and there are like 10 different models on how to leave. Yeah. But it was never sort of spelled out to people. So when people, so for example, you might have voted to leave because you wanted to leave with no deal, for example, so you didn't want to have no relationship with the EU. You might have voted to leave, but you wanted to have a close economic relationship, but you don't want to be part of the, um, for example, freedom of movement. So you don't want people to come here as migration. So you might have had so many different reasons, but because this was never defined, basically what you've ended up in, in, in right now is in a situation where there are like a hundred different interpretations of what Brexit should be delivered. Yeah. Problem with Theresa May, going back to her about leadership, is when she first became the Prime Minister, she basically came in with this attitude, which is like, look, I'm not going to work with any political party. I'm not going to, for example, um, you know, listen to what the European Union says. We're going to have a deal that works for Britain. Problem is, she's up against 27 different countries. Yeah. And that doesn't cut through in negotiation. That doesn't work like that. And then she ended up in the last month of her career basically saying that we need to have compromise mm. and common ground. If only she started with that, um, the way she ended, yeah. and maybe things could have been done differently. So I think the problem is, is, is like ultimately we need leadership who's going to bring together the country. Boris is coming in now. He wants to de- deliver a certain type of Brexit, which is a no deal Brexit. But no one really voted to be poorer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like when you look at no deal and, you know, even the government's only sort of like uh, research, you know, we'll have food and medicine shortages. Um, there'll be problems at the Northern Irish border. And they're talking about, you know, civil disobedience coming up again in sort of like certain parts of the UK. You know, no one voted for these things to happen. Of course, we all have different interpretations of how we want Britain to be better. But ultimately, we should have never had the referendum in the first place. So that's something I was going to ask because it's been quite some time since the referendum. Yeah. But more importantly, a lot of young people who have now grown up understand or they've come across this term Brexit. And because they've now had an understanding, they won't have a say in it. What I want to know is you, you've obviously spoken on behalf of people that don't know what Brexit is, or more importantly, they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. What is the ideal situation for the 18-year-old, the 22-year-old, the 25-year-old? What is it that they should want from this country going forward? Do we want a Brexit at this stage? Do we not want a Brexit? Do we want another referendum? Do we want a new prime minister? What is the, the ideal situation going forward from now? So I think, you know, the ideal situation right now, given that we're in the mess we are, is we need to give closure to this country. Okay. And what I mean by that is, is we need to put it back to the people for a second referendum. And the reason why I say that is because there were millions of people, young people particularly, who were denied the right to vote yeah. in the 2016 election. And partly because obviously some of them weren't registered to vote. Um, some of them, for example, were 16 to 18, so they didn't have the ability to vote. But it doesn't make sense that they can't have a say over their future when they're going to live with it the longest. So yeah. surely these people should be able to deal with it. And it's a bit like buying your own home, right? So when you buy your own home, mm. like you put a deposit down yeah. and then you send a surveyor there, right? Yeah. The surveyor will tell you what's wrong with the house or whatever. Mm. If the surveyor says to you that after two months, that place is going to like literally fall down, yeah. are you going to continue to purchase? No, no You're not. So now we know, I'm not saying that's going to be the case with Brexit, by the, by the mm. way. 
it will happen if it's no deal. Yeah. We will break down. However, like what I'm trying to say is, is the sensible thing to do is we negotiated a deal. Now we know what Brexit looks like. Put it back to the people. Yeah. Let them decide. And that way, once we settle it once and for all, no one could say, oh, but you know, this was good or bad because the people would have had their say. Mm. Okay. Uh, that That's even eye-opening to me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Because putting it back to the people, I would never thought that that was even on the table. Yeah. Right? But clearly, I mean, you believe there is political ground to do that? Yeah, so I think, you know, in, in, in March or February, I think this year, they had what they called indicative votes in parliament. Mm. So basically what happened was, was that when the, when the prime minister brought back her deal to the parliament yeah. and it got rejected a couple of times, they, then they had these things called indicative votes, which basically means like to make it simple terms is that they will lay out every single Brexit option, yeah. including a second referendum, including no deal and everything. And whatever gets the highest vote, then will be the new position. Now, none of them got a majority in the sense that none of them got above 326 okay. votes in the parliament. However, the highest vote out of those options was the second vote. Okay. So that was about 280 votes. So that got more than a customs union Brexit, than a single market Brexit, than a no-deal Brexit. So I think there is now people who want to do it. When you look at the, um, there was a there was a march, there was more than a million people out. Oh yeah. Um, like earlier this year. Uh, year before there was about 700,000 people who went out to the streets. There was a petition which had 6 million people sign it mm. uh, to revoke Article 50, which means to take back our notice basically period to the EU. Yeah. So I think there is a growing movement now that people are just like, you know what, like we just need closure now. Mm. Let the people decide because politicians can't decide. Yeah. Mm. They've been trying to do this for three years now. Yeah. If they can't deal, deal with it, like let the people decide what, what should happen. Definitely. You know, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it, it gives my political, you know, furnace a bit of fire we need to change this up now yeah um i want to get into a bit of discussion yeah um because we are on the topic of politics but i want to sort of relay a message and i think asim would agree as well there are a lot of people out there that don't want to get into politics because of its complexities mm. is that the right way to think about it because the reason I say this and the reason why this sort of strikes the heart is because when I was a lot younger, maybe three years ago, um, I had an investor I was dealing with and he was quite young and I asked him what he saw when the Trump administration was in play or it was he, he was running for president back then and he said he didn't care. And I said, why? And he said, well, when I live life in my own time, it's just, it's his name was Joe and he just said, it's the United States of Joe, right? Mm-hmm. And it got me to thinking that, you know, he's, does he really not need to care? Should younger people not care about politics because of how complex it is? Or does it give an advantage to younger people by understanding it? The, the reason why we're in the mess we are right now yeah. with Trump, with Brexit, with, you know, the far right sort of rising across Europe is partly because we've, we've allowed the space, we've created a vacuum where a certain small group of elite and clique people who basically just occupied it yeah. and have messed up, you know, the society that we live in. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, is this, like, I don't like sort of saying it's, it's a bit difficult how to say this, but if you don't vote, you don't, you can't really complain, right? Mm. You can't complain about the consequences that of Trump, for example, if you as one person yeah. could have made a difference, for example, like you look at, for example, like there are certain seats in, in the 2017 election. Um, I think it was in East Fife in Scotland. The MP won by two votes. Wow. Two votes. 
right? Been... In, Can- uh, um, in Kensington, Chelsea, the MP won by 20 votes. Been, in yeah. Canterbury, I think it was about 100 votes. So, like, if every one of us thought, you know what, my vote doesn't count, yeah. then that's going to be, like, millions of people, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. we need to do our bit as citizens. You mm. pay your tax, for yeah. example, mm. yeah? These people, like myself, like I'm a politician, I get paid by taxpayers' money. Yeah. You've got to hold me to account. That's what I'm there for. You don't have to be a politician, but you should know your rights as a citizen. And that's mm. why, like, you know, privileged people always get their way because they're always involved in these sorts of things and they know what door to knock. Yeah. They know where to be loud. They know who to speak to. And often the problem is, is many like sort of what I call underrepresented communities. So people who are of ethnic minority backgrounds, people from, you know, like more sort of underrepresented communities such as like the LGBTQ plus community, or for example, people with disabilities or people from low socioeconomic backgrounds. You know, most of these people are often don't really have a voice. And if you don't get involved, who's going to be there to stand up for you? That's true. Mm. You know, and there's a say, there's a famous, um, you know, there's that famous poem in, in from the... Um, from the Holocaust, where yeah. I, f- I forgot the their name. Oh God! Um, and basically, he he says, you know, like first they came for me. Yeah. No, first they came for the Jews, and I didn't say nothing because it wasn't me. Yeah. Then they came for the socialists. Then I didn't say nothing because it wasn't me. Yeah. And then they came for the trade unionists, but I didn't say nothing because it wasn't me. And then they came for me, and there was nobody. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, is like we all have to do our bit to stand mm-hmm. up. So yeah. when another minority is getting oppressed or something's happening yeah. to someone, yeah. we have to be there all to support it. And if we don't get get involved, yeah. then the consequence of, of it is what you have today, which is what you have like a Brexit or a Trump. Mm. Fair enough. How do you think the average like millennial person or young person that's trying to get into politics should go about getting into it and maybe, um, I don't know, like just getting their vote in and, you know, just taking part what, what, into what it, should they be saying what yeah. should they be doing or how so be firstly registered? get registered to vote yeah yeah so make sure you're registered to vote the reason why that's important not only because you have the right to vote mm. but it's also good for a credit rating mm. so <laughs> for any of your listeners out <laughs> there if you're looking to buy a mortgage yeah. or you want to get like you know a credit card or whatever it is mm. then make sure you're registered to vote because that helps your credit rating mm. um so the first thing you should do and it only takes you five minutes mm. so you just have to go to gov.uk forward slash registered to vote i mean it literally takes you five minutes to register to vote um, the second thing is, is really start looking at, like, for example, who's your local MP, your mm. local councillor. Think about some of the local issues that matter to you, for example. You know, mm. how could you engage with them in better ways? Um, but other, the other thing as well, just make politics fun. So, like, yeah. there are lots of, like, cool campaign groups out there. So, like, you might have re- seen recently, like, there's a huge um, there's a huge campaign around climate change. Mm. Like, a couple of years ago, to have a campaign around climate change was yeah. very difficult because mm. people didn't really have much interest in it. Whereas now... It's like this big thing that people really want to get involved in. It's because people like who think alike and are passionate about this issue come together and want to do something. Yeah. So there are, and the good thing with social media, like we were talking about this yeah, off record, yeah, right? Yeah. Like when we were talking about social media, the good thing with social media is brought together people who are passionate about certain issues and we can all connect together. Like my yeah. petition, yeah. I started it from nothing mm. and it grew over to 366,000 people. Wow. That's crazy. And that's only one of two petitions yeah. which got more than 720,000 people. Wow. So these are people who from across the country yeah. who... I probably wouldn't have met, mm. never met them, but we all got a shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we're as one collective, we're a bigger voice. So I think that there are lots of ways you can do it, especially like the at the sort of the era that we live in now. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. It's more cool and um, yeah. I think I think it's around now. I think politics is becoming yes. cooler, but I think it's also to do with what sort of culture is going to be adopted in, in Parliament because mm. I think we have what the oldest political system in the world right now. Yeah. Um, but. I saw earlier, maybe this was six months back, where 
you're trying to change the dynamic of the um, the dress sense in politics. Yeah. Because everyone's in a suit and tie, <laughs> um, and you're you're rocking up in in trainers. Mm. Is there a reason behind why you've got sort of that sort of reason behind it? I mean, are you anti suits? Because I mean, we're we're in suits right now. <laughs> we wouldn't feel offended. Yeah. But, um, do you think that that change needs to take place of culture shift? No, I I guess what I'm trying to do is when I don't wear a suit all the time, it's not not to say that there's anything wrong with yeah. wearing suits. I like wearing a suit yeah. as well, for example. And of course, at the right time and right place, you know, mm. you've got to know how to sort of like conduct yourself and you know how to dress because it's obviously it's a sign of respect to the institutions mm. as well. Um, however, what I'm trying to do is is really send out the message that to say, look. I want to be myself. Mm-hmm. I don't want to change. I want, for example, other young people who live in Stonington, mm-hmm. who live in Hackney, who live in other parts of the sort of the country to look at me and be like, oh, look, he's a councillor. Yeah. He's one of my local representatives, but he looks and sounds like me. So I'm going to go talk to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas if I'm automatically, if I look and sound like people who I'm not like, there's going to be a barrier there. So yeah. I guess what the message I'm trying to send across is, look, I'm accessible. I'm one of you. Like, yeah. don't, I'm not different. Yeah. Um, and I think that makes a huge impact. But obviously, like, you know, as I said, like, depending on where you are, you got to kind of know yeah. how to dress it and how mm-hmm. to think. But it's more of a message to say, look, you don't have to change the way you are yeah. to, to, to be a politician. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. Yeah. Cycle, um, yeah. Cycle relatability, that plays a huge role in um, the where with everyone right now anyway. Exactly. Um, I mean, we, we want to move on to the discussion of success. Yeah. And Asim sort of leads this discussion. What do you think has been your recipe for success with MLMS so far? I think, you know, our success as well, I must say, has been trying to find a, something that's different from what's already out there. Mm. So I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Um, it's trying to find something that we could be defined for. So what we've done is, is almost like adopted the Apple model. Mm. So rather than, like, it's so easy, it's very attractive to do lots of different things. Mm. People always come up to us with new ideas, but... What we do is just pick one or two things mm. as a product, for example, yeah. and we do them really well. Okay. And we make sure that it's, it's clearly defined and clearly different from distinguished from what others do. Mm. And that way we're able to make sure that we've got our own brand, yeah. and, but also we're very good for it. So the Democracy Cafes, yeah. that's part, partly, I think, one of the biggest successes of my life, I say, because no one else does those Democracy Cafes. It's a very innovative way of engagement. So now, you know, we're talking about going to the US to deliver Democracy Cafes for... Wow their 2020 presidential elections. Uh, we've done 11 of those across Europe. Wow. We're doing so many of those across um, across the UK. The other thing I would say that d- distinguishes my life, I say from other organizations is we do a lot of stuff outside of London. Mm. So more than 80% of our deliverable activities are out of London. So giving a voice for those who don't often feel like they have a voice. So mm. that also sets us apart. And then also I think our business model is very different as well. So we have a very diversified um, sort of income stream. So we're not dependent on any one uh, funder or funders um, we have uh, you know corporate funding we get gr- uh, grants from governments so yeah. whether it includes you know like UK government European Union uh, Scottish government and others um, we get funding from uh, trust and foundations so like the Cadbury Chocolate for example yeah, their yeah. family for example the Paul Hamlin Foundation lots of others as well uh, we get funders from individual donors, so people like me and you, you might want to support our yeah. calls or high net worth donors, so people who've got, you know, a bit more well-off and are interested in your calls. Mm. And then we also have commercial activities, which I think is the unique factor of my life, I say. So what we do is is we use our Democracy Cafe method as a, a, a tool to gather insight about what young people think about X issue. Okay. Um, so what we do is, is we use that and we sell that to corporates, governments and third sector companies who want to do some consultative 
um, sessions or policies around with young people and we, we will do that for them by delivering the Roxy Cafe. So that allows us to be able to generate more money and funding to be able to put back into, into the charity. Wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. R- wrapping <laughs> it up, we want to discuss two things. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, what is success for you? Yeah. I mean, is it, can you define it or is there something behind success that you believe? Because a lot of people, they, they look up to you and they see that, you know, you came from a certain area, you've got into politics. A lot of people out there are not just trying to get into becoming an entrepreneur, running a big company. They want to get into politics. Mm. And as being someone who has that sort of come up, yeah. what does success mean for you? So look, I think this is a difficult one because I think ultimately sometimes people forget why they want to get into politics. Yeah. Um, and for me, you know, the reason why I wanted to get into politics was to make a positive change for people who look and sound like me. Okay. And I wanted to get involved. Um, and that's why I got into it. Um, there are lots of different vehicles you can do to do that. So one of it's being a politician, one of it could be working for a campaign group and you could do that lots of different ways. I don't personally, for me, like I don't, uh, like I've got an end goal, yeah. don't get me wrong, yeah. right? I think you have to. Yeah. But I think also, like I think sometimes where people go wrong is is that they focus too much on the end goal and then they forget what they need to do to get there. So for me, like I know that there are like a hundred things that I need to do. So my day-to-day life, for me, what success looks like is making sure that I'm literally smashing through that list and getting through all the things that I need to do. And then the result, who knows what happens, but at the end of the day, like, you know, I want to be comfortable with myself to know that I've done what I can do and I've given myself the best chance to be able to get to where I need to be. And the other thing as well to recognize as well, look, the reality is, is like, you know, I could be popular today. Tomorrow things could very easily change. That's how politics is. It's not, it's brutal, right? It's not personal. It's not about oh, we don't care about Mete Koba, and it could have been anyone in your position. Like yeah. it is, so I don't take things like that personally. The reality is, though, it would take a hundred of us to knock the door for yeah. one of us to get through, That's true. right? So some of the stuff that I'm doing today might not necessarily benefit me directly, mm. and that's fine. I'm not doing it for that. If I was doing it for the money or doing it for the other things, I would have probably gone into a different uh, different like sort of profession or a different sort of occupation. Mm. So for me, what matters is, is what success looks like is, is ultimately, you know, for us to get to an age where you know, we have a society which is reflective of, um, of, of, of society, so politics which is reflective of society. People are more, much more engaged in politics. And then yeah. people like us, who look and sound like us, actually have the confidence, feel like this is their country, mm. you know, feel like they can have a voice in how to shape their futures. And we don't have this, you know, disparity between like sort of the rich and the poor. Yeah. Okay. And you know what? I, this, this is a final question. I'm going to put you in a bit of a situation. Yeah. Because I know you're a very passionate Arsenal fan, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, would you rather have one year in office as Prime Minister yeah. or one year as Arsenal manager? Uh, I think I'll go for the former, so one year for Prime Minister. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. why? Because um, Arsenal can... Do you know what? People ask me that because I used to be a scout yeah. for Arsenal and they say to me the same thing, like, <laughs> why did you go on to be a counsellor rather than staying as a scout? Yeah. And um, I always say sometimes, oh, I guess I picked the wrong job, right? Because yeah. like being a football scout is much more cool. But look, ultimately, like I think the the satisfaction that you get out of helping one family, one person's life, yeah, is massive. And I see that in my role as a counselor. And I think you know, if you're in a position where you can go on to take up office, whether it's an MP, a minister, a prime minister, whatever it is, yeah. and you can make a positive change for millions of people, yeah. that's a legacy. Yeah, Do you know what I mean, real. whereas whereas yeah, like as a manager, you know, like you just you don't know what could happen. But for me, it's about, you know, like my parents came here from Northern Cyprus, which mm. is in a recognized state. 
you know like we had a lot of barriers that we went through when i was growing up yeah. and you know like for me like i feel like it's my duty to be able to give back to the community and make them proud and leave our family legacy behind um, and that's why like you know for me like politics is so let's let's hope that boris johnson does better than unai emery this year yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um we're gonna wrap it up here um we've had a pleasure talking yeah. to you and you know you're one of a kind we don't get many opportunities to people to speak to people in politics mm-hmm. so thank you so much for your time we know that you're really really busy Absolutely. um and hopefully maybe in, in a couple of years time few years time we can come back and uh maybe be an mp maybe you're in a different landscape but we'll uh we'll be happy to hear from you again great always a pleasure thank, thank you so, so much, much. Mate.